Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. The following is intended solely for the use of those with a sense of adventure. I'm shaking the dust of this town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. This is Travel with Hawkeye. Here's your host, Mark Hawkeye Lewis. We're checking out some of the most unusual spots that we discovered in 2019, including a museum, if I can call it that, or an experience in Santa Fe called Meow Wolf. What is that and why is it so hard to get tickets to this place? Also, Wendy Lubavitch uh, has written a brand new book called 111 Museums in New York That You Must Not Miss. And we'll talk to her about some of the more unusual museums in New York City. They'll probably be on your bucket list after you hear us talk to her. And then also when we're speaking about unusual places, Summer Mathis from Atlas Obscura talks about their excursions to Chernobyl. It's all on our year-end podcast for 2019. So we start with Laura Hudman from Meow Wolf. And Laura, can I tell you how I found out about Meow Wolf in Santa Fe? I would love to know how you've heard about Meow Wolf. My wife and I and my uh, sister-in-law, who's an art teacher, as a matter of fact, we were in Santa Fe over Christmas. And everybody was talking about Meow Wolf. Everywhere we went, people were saying, yeah, we're in town to see Meow Wolf. And I'm like, what is Meow Wolf? And people were giving us... That's the first appropriate question. Sure. And and the explanation we got about what Meow Wolf was everything from it's kind of an exhibit of art kind of to it's a playhouse for adults. And we're like, we're in. we got to check this out. Unfortunately, it's so popular that we did not have reservations, and so we did not get to go see it. But it is on our bucket list of things to see next time we go to Santa Fe. And then... As we're getting ready to do this Vegas uh, episode of our podcast, I see that you guys are expanding to Denver and to Las Vegas. So I thought, okay, I've got to have these people on the show to explain what Meow Wolf is and why everybody's talking about it in Santa Fe. Well, I I think that's very wise, Mark, because it is <laughs> worth talking about. And it's just, it's it's so weird. It's so immersive. It's so amazing. The level of creativity is just off the charts. I mean, you have to see it and experience it to believe it. And it's more than just seeing. There is, there's so much to it. There's an entire storyline. The narrative is deep. It's mysterious. There are incredible sounds and music. There are videos. There are, you know, incredible pieces of art to view. And, it's all tied in to a story. Okay. Is it an art exhibit or is it more than that? It is so much more than that. And it most definitely is also an art exhibit. Okay. Because everybody who sees it raves about it. And I totally forgot about it. Also, I forgot about the sound aspect because I met one of your sound engineers also while we were skiing up in Santa Fe. He had a day off. And he said, oh, yeah, I work at Meow Wolf. I'm like, Meow Wolf again? What is Meow Wolf? <laughs> What is Meow Wolf? Well, I mean, aren't you intrigued by the name? Where in the heck did that ever come from? Right? Yes. Let's start with the name. Where did the name come from? All right. So back in 2008, there was an art collective 
a group of just rogue, incredibly talented young people who were predominantly in their 20s, and they just decided, you know, if our artwork is not going to be shown in galleries um, along, you know, Santa Fe's Canyon Road, which has all of these incredible galleries, traditional contemporary art, then, you know, we'll just band together and do this ourselves. Okay. And so they went rogue. And they were at their first meeting, essentially, and they decided to write on paper singular words, and each person had an opportunity to write two words, and then they pulled from a hat the two (laughs) words. And the first word was meow, and the second was wolf. And that's how the name came. So these folks came, and they decided uh, to... Uh, display their art because nobody else would. And did it grow from that to something totally different? Because it kind of sounds like it did. It did. For a number of years, there were temporary installations. The House of Eternal Return here in Santa Fe is the very first permanent installation. It opened in March 2016. And since that time, just actually uh, last month in April, we opened our very first amusement park ride up in Denver at Elitch Gardens, and it's called Kaleidoscape, and it is the first art ride that Meow Wolf has ever done, and we certainly hope it won't be the last. Now, in Denver, are, are you creating a, like, and, and in Las Vegas also, are you creating a duplicate of what you have in Santa Fe, or is it going to be different? What a great question. Both of those installations will be completely, totally different different narrative. We have a narrative team of writers, 11 as a matter of fact, that are just remarkable with creating these storylines tied in with the art. So as you're moving through an exhibit, imagine that there is a storyline that goes with it. Oftentimes it's mysterious, but you know, in terms of Denver as well as Las Vegas, folks are just going to have to wait and see what is unveiled. It's unbelievable. You know, as you describe this, it seems I'm seem more lost than before, but more intrigued than before, too. Like, I've got to see this. Good. When can you come? <laughs> well, the next time we're in Santa Fe, the next time we're in Santa Fe, we're definitely going to plan in advance to go because that was one of the problems we had. Of course, it was the week between Christmas and New Year's, yeah. which I'm sure is one of your busiest weeks of the year in Santa Fe. And we For couldn't sure. it, it was it was all booked up. But um but would you recommend that if you are coming to see Meow Wolf in any of these cities that you would make advanced reservations? Absolutely. It's really simple. We've actually just adopted a new ticketing system to decrease wait time for any guests. And what that means is when you go online and purchase your ticket, you're actually able to select a check-in time. So you know when it's best for you to arrive. And yet that doesn't limit your time inside the exhibit, which is fantastic. And how long does it take you, uh, a person to normally go through the exhibit? Well, it depends upon the type of person you are. For some, it may take an hour to an hour and a half. For others, they may want to spend five plus hours and they haven't even still seen every single little item because okay. it's so expansive. But if you want it to be a short, condensed experience, you can make it that without question. And I think, you know, one of the key points is that people have an opportunity to just have their own 
individualized experience. There's no hard guide. There's no right or wrong way through. It's just go through at your own pace. Laura, once again, you've made me more intrigued and you've made it even more confusing on what this is. Anywhere from an hour and a half to five plus hours, whatever you want to do. That is brilliant. I love this idea, even though I have no idea what it is. Well, I will have to share with you that this house of the eternal return, which opened in March 2016, and in big part, thanks to George R.R. Martin, of course, we are pretty familiar with his name these days because he is the creator of Game of Thrones. Yes. So the exhibit here in Santa Fe, which opened just over three years ago, actually is in what once was a bowling alley here in Santa Fe. The building was sitting dormant for a number of years. And as it turned turned out, our um, co-founding team, actually many of them knew George and George actually bought the old rundown bowling alley, and that's what was converted into this incredible exhibit. And did he contribute that uh, as a donation, or is he part of the artists that uh, have you know formed a collective to show Meow Wolf? I mean, how what's what's his uh, participation now with Meow Wolf? Well, he purchased the bowling alley and he rented it back to the collective. I see. And he is still actively participating. He's most definitely an investor. Initially, he was not an investor. He was a landlord. (laughs) (laughs) But that's changed because, you know, there's this rumor that Game of Thrones is done. Yeah. So, you know, George is probably, he he may need something else to do now. All right. So now you've added another level of intrigue of that. (laughs) There's a a George Martin tie-in and made it even more uh, confusing, more vague, and even more appealing to people who are listening to this. The the takeaway from this is it's pretty undescribable. You have to check it out. You can spend as much time as you want in there, and it's something you need to see. It's called Meow Wolf in Santa Fe, soon to open in Denver and in Las Vegas. Is there anything that I missed that I should add to help describe what Meow Wolf is? Meow Wolf is a new sensory experience that is so expansive you must give it a go. You have to try it because you've never experienced anything like it. Laura, I appreciate your time. You've got me more intrigued than before I, I called you, and I can't wait to see this. A continued success on your Santa Fe installation, and I hope that uh, Las Vegas and Denver embrace it as much as Santa Fe do. Great. We look forward to seeing you, Mark. Just let us know when you're heading our way, and uh, thanks so much. I don't know if that explained anything, but at least we piqued your curiosity about Meow Wolf. There's a book that came out in 2019, one of my favorite travel books of the year, called 111 Museums in New York That You Must Not Miss. Wendy Lubavitch is the author of this this book. And, Wendy, I absolutely love this. There's so many places now that are on my New York City bucket list. But tell me, one of these unusual museums that you must not miss, what was one of your favorite? Well, I love the Houdini Museum because it's completely unexpected. And I went there not thinking I would have much interest in Houdini, who was the magician who lived early 20th century. And um, it's this guy who's completely obsessed with Houdini. His name is Roger Dreyer. And it's right near Penn Station. You walk into this seemingly simple um, office building. You press a button on the third floor. The doors open, and it's just like magic. You're in a museum dedicated to Houdini with all these red walls with all of his props and posters and personal items 
You'll see the metamorphosis, which is the steamer trunk where he was able to escape, even though it was sort of embroiled in chains. There's like a canvas straitjacket called the Punisher that he was able to escape out of. And then in the midst of all this, there's a living, breathing magic shop where people are doing card games and doing these things with silks. So you're completely dropped into this world of magic and Houdini, all like right near Penn Station. It's extraordinary. That was on my list of the ones that I had chosen that I want to go see, actually. (laughs) Good. Yes. When I I read that one, like, oh, my gosh, I would love that. I love Houdini. I love this. You know, I love the whole story of him and uh, just uh, his life. And, uh, yes, that is on my bucket list next time I go to New York to see the Houdini Museum. Wonderful. Well, I am am loving this interview. This is like my favorite interview in the longest time. Oh, wonderful. I'm having fun, too. All right. All right. I know I'm geeking out. I'm fanboying over you, but this book is so cool. This is so right up my alley. All right. Something else that you found that was so wonderful that you discovered. I like the M Museum. Two M's at the beginning, two M's at the end. That's how you spell it. And it's this tiny little museum, and it's hidden in Tribeca in an alleyway, Cordell Alleyway. So you find yourself to this alleyway, and you swear you're in like a CSI police drama. You're all alone. There's all these wooden staircases. It's very dark. And you find your way to two industrial doors that are locked shut. And carved out into the industrial holes are these little peepholes. So 24-7, you can look into this abandoned elevator shaft, and you see these sort of shelves with these seemingly random objects all placed there together. Like there's a shoe, there's razor blades, there's a box of jello. I know this is up your alley. <laughs> it and totally you think, is. <laughs> I know. You think it's completely random, but it usually tells it's wrapped around the story of maybe someone in the presidency or it's about race or it's about something going on in New York City. It started by a guy named Alex Coleman, who is a filmmaker, and he calls it object journalism. And it changes every six months or so. Sometimes they have regular hours where they actually open the industrial doors and you can peer in. But it's really kind of most fun to go late at night when you can peer through these sort of naughty peepholes. (laughs) And then there's a phone number you can call and they might tell you a little bit about the exhibition. So that's like the tiniest exhibition. Very cool. Very cool. Definitely. that. Okay, you've added that also to my list, too. Uh, this, okay. Once again, this is why I love New York City, because there's just a surprise around every corner. Yes, yes. I'm dying to hear what's, what, what caught your eye, what was on your list. Okay. Uh, a, a, well, first of all, the Houdini Museum was on my list. Uh, another one was, and, uh, and, and you mentioned this uh, earlier about uh, Alexander Hamilton, that his house, I didn't know that you could tour his house, that it's still in New York City, Hamilton Grange. Yes, and it's like right in the middle of Harlem. So <laughs> and there's like a funeral parlor across the street and a Dunkin' Donuts nearby. <laughs> and then, so then there's this one block where Hamilton's house is kind of on this hill. It's this very neoclassical architecture. And you walk in and it's like completely escaping Harlem into this another of another time. And he built this at the end of his life before he was killed in the duel. But you can see where his little office was, where he wrote. You can see his dining room. I mean, you, there's like a tangible link there, all in the middle of Harlem, which is quite extraordinary. You know, what's interesting is I found his gravesite a couple years ago when I was in New York City. It, there's a church down near downtown, which is clear on the other side of Manhattan. 
So, I mean, when he built that house, it probably was well out into the country. Exactly. It was well out into the country. And they said you could see views of the river, the Hudson River and the East River. And it was completely the quintessential countryside. He was building a house in the country. So you have to remember that when you visit. If you are traveling to New York in 2019, I highly recommend you check out uh, Wendy's book called 111 Museums in New York That You Must Not Miss, one of my favorite interviews of the year, I'm going to be honest. All right, there was an HBO show this year called Chernobyl, and it really piqued interest into uh, this part of the former Soviet Union, now in Ukraine. And Summer Mathis uh, joins us uh, from Atlas Obscura. And you guys actually have tours now into the exclusion zone. So first of all, tell us what in Chernobyl the exclusion zone is. Right. So the exclusion zone is an area that's that's really cordoned off by the Ukrainian government around the former nuclear plant that had the accident. And um, so entrance and exit into that area is is highly controlled by the Ukrainian government. And it is the where the plant used to be. So there's at this point, the the entire exclusion zone is now, I would say, much more characterized by nature. There are there are trees growing up through the concrete. Uh, there it is a now a shut down power plant and and the entire area is really um, there's a lot of animals now and a lot of trees. Now is is there was there a city called Chernobyl or was that the name of the power plant? So Chernobyl is the name of the power plant and then there was also a town nearby called Pripyat. Uh, Pripyat is sort of the ghost town that people often refer to when they talk about the area in the exclusion zone. It's not the power plant itself. It was a nearby town that that was home to more than 50,000 workers and their families who worked at the power plant. Uh, but it's not the plant itself, the, the ghost town. And, you know, perhaps people have seen pictures of the Ferris wheel. Yes. There, there was there was an amusement park there. Right. And, and yeah. there are you know, abandoned uh, and now really crumbling apartment buildings. And it was a whole town. Um, uh, so that's, that's, a, that's the town Pripyat, which is, which is nearby, but a bit outside of where the actual plant was. Okay. And when you say there's animals that live there, have there been studies on, their, on these animals? I mean, are they, for lack of a better term, somewhat mutated because of radiation? You know, at this point, the level of radiation in the area is has come down so much that it, it is really relatively safe for, for life to be there. Uh, that's why, you know, the Ukrainian government allows tourists to come and visit. Uh, the health of the animals and the plants, yeah, they're absolutely being studied, and it's, it's, a, it's a long-term kind of approach. But at this point, there's, there's really no particular danger to life being in the area. Okay, but still, as a human, we would not want to live inside the zone. <laughs> <laughs> no, and 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 but that's really for reasons beyond the sort of um, ramification, long-term ramifications of the of the radiation that that leaked out from the accident in the eighties. Um, you know, it, uh, you wouldn't want to live there today because the buildings have been abandoned for decades and they're not in good shape. So there are structures uh, that you know. Even to the tourists who we bring, the, the travelers who we bring um, on our trip there, um, they you really do want to be careful about um, some of the infrastructure that's still in place and kind of sitting there because you know it's it, it wouldn't really be safe to climb on top of things or there are sort of structural issues that no you wouldn't want to live in any of these buildings for sure. All right, so that's the key right there that you said is the tourists that you're bringing 
because Atlas Obscure is actually taking a trip to Chernobyl, and we you could are. you could sign up for this trip. Yes, yes. Um, so we we run a couple of different trips to Ukraine. We run trips all over the world, but the the trip that in particular that focuses on Chernobyl is a is a trip both to Kiev, the capital in Ukraine, and then to Pripyat. We spend a whole day in Pripyat, and then uh, and another entire day exploring the power plants and the the exclusion zone around it. We we have a wonderful tour guide that we work with who's local there. His name is Darman Richter, and he's a researcher and really at this point kind of an architectural and cultural historian who's made a real study of this region of Eastern Europe and of Ukraine in particular. And because we work with people like Darman and with other local guides on the ground, we are able to take our travelers to parts of the exclusion zone that aren't really on the regular tour. So yes, we, we are offering this trip. The next departure is in September, and we I'm sure we'll be offering it again. Okay, now if I wanted to sign up for this trip, where do I go? Because I want to link this to our blog so people can find it very easily for us. Yeah, absolutely. So you would go to atlasobscura.com, and it's forward slash unusual trip. <laughs> and you'll find, you'll, find, you'll, find our, you'll find our complete listings of, of trips on our website. You can also just come to atlasobscura.com and click on trips in our okay. main menu. Okay, because are there just Atlas Obscura trips, and there's a subcategory of unusual trips? I mean, does it work like that? <laughs> it's, um, all of our trips are unusual trips. And that's the perfect way to end 2019. Season 3 of Travel with Hawkeye. We want to thank Summer Mathis from Atlas Obscura. Of course, uh, Laura Hudman from Meow Wolf. And Wendy Lubavitch from the book 111 Museums in New York that you must not miss. Thank you so much for an incredible year. We can't wait to start Season 4 of Travel with Hawkeye. I'm Mark Hawkeye Lewis. Remember, the world is out there. Your adventure awaits.